0: I was a wandering child, <laughs> and I struggled be controlled, I was an errant child, and I did not For God gave me life, for he loved us one and all God gave me. The second shame. Second... Go! Hey okay.
1: I'll talk to you for a few minutes from the subject, rebellion, rebellion. We're now in the season of Lent. Lent is that time set aside to soberly consider all that was done on our behalf, to permanently atone for our sin and forever secure our salvation. Throughout this season, our messages will center on the words of Jesus and the activities that took place in the upper room on the night before he was crucified. Most of these messages will come from John's gospel account because John gives us details about this moment that the synoptic gospel accounts do not include. Today, we start with what the writer starts with rebellion. This rebellion is revealed in the writer's assessment of Judas. The devil by now had Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, firmly in his grip, all set for the betrayal. Even though Judas was a disciple of Jesus, he rebelled against the Christ. And it reminds us that even today, we can be in the church and still rebel against Jesus. Not everybody who's in the church is here. For the same reason. Not everybody who's in the church loves the Lord. Not everybody in the church is concerned about evangelism or discipleship or ministry or worship or fellowship. And in this Lenten season, each of us should engage in self-examination and ask ourselves, why Am I here? And if the answer is not Jesus, then know that you may be in the right place, but it's for the wrong reason. He said in Matthew 12 and 30, anyone who is not with me is against me. Anyone who does not gather sheep with me scatters them. A lot of scholarship has gone into the effort to get a better understanding of Judas. People have tried to analyze Judas. They've tried to develop some kind of psychological profile in order to explain Judas's behavior. But in simple truth, Judas was guilty of rebellion against Jesus, And that rebellion stems from the fact that Jesus was the most polarizing figure in human history. No one is indifferent about Jesus. You either love him or you despise him. You're either drawn to him or you push back from him. Now, why is that so? Why is Jesus so polarizing? Jesus polarized people because he championed the oppressed. He offered hope to the marginalized. He kept company with drunkards and tax collectors. He befriended prostitutes and other people that society deemed not worthy of the effort. He gave greater priority to the needs of the sick than to ritualistic tradition. And church, whenever we champion the oppressed, we enrage the oppressor. Whenever we try to raise somebody up, we anger the one who's already up. Yet in the upper room, we're reminded that this is the task of the church, to champion the oppressed. Jesus polarized people because he insisted on personal accountability. Accountability involves assessment. It involves recognizing who we are and what we're doing. Change requires acknowledging that what we've been doing isn't working. And whenever we ask someone to do a self-assessment and acknowledge that what they've been doing isn't working, we're going to polarize people. Jesus spoke to a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well and told her that she needed to do a self-assessment because what she was doing wasn't working. And when he was finished with her, she joyfully ran back to the village exclaiming, come see a man. Told me everything about myself. But when he spoke to a rich young ruler, and challenged him to do a self-assessment and dared him to sell all that he had and give the money to the poor and then come follow him. The young man went away sorrowful because he didn't hear from Jesus what he he wanted to hear as far as this fellow was concerned what he was doing was working out just fine and he couldn't embrace Jesus because to do so was to acknowledge that he had been wrong Judas was a follower of Jesus But at some point, his commitment waned, and and he became Satan's instrument of rebellion and betrayal. The devil had Judas firmly in his grip. This description of Judas has its beginnings in the 12th chapter of John. Jesus and his disciples were in Bethany, relaxing with friends in the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. John records that as they were entertaining Jesus, Mary came in and anointed him by pouring an expensive perfume on him. She put it on his Feet, And then she began to wipe his feet with the very hairs of her head. It was an impulsive act of love and adoration. But John says that it angered Judas. Judas complained. Why wasn't this oil sold and the money given to the poor? But Jesus rebuked Judas and and told him to leave Mary alone. And the next thing that we read about Judas while he was in the upper room was that the devil had Judas firmly in his grip. How does that happen to a disciple? How does that happen to someone who spends so much time with jesus well first of all consider this by his behavior and his attitude judas showed that he was only concerned about himself he tried to push it off on the poor he tried to make it look like his heart was in the right place. But in reality, Judas was only concerned about himself. Church, know this, rebellion starts with selfishness. Living for self is a dangerous thing. There ain't nothing good about only being concerned about yourself. Jesus tells of a farmer who who reaped a bountiful harvest. His harvest was so great that he didn't have enough room to store it all. And as the farmer pondered as to what he should do, he decided, I'm living just for me. I'm living to get as much as I can. I'm not concerned about anybody else. I'm only going to do what's in my own best interest. And he tore down his old bonds and built new ones. But while he enabled himself to keep it all it was just for a moment for that night the lord required his soul I'm trying to tell you something a lot of us say that we're living for god but our behavior tells another story we're selfish with our time We're selfish with our talent, we're selfish with our money, we're selfish with our support. But you need to know that if you're in the church and you're only concerned about you, you're in rebellion against Jesus. And it ain't going to work out well for you in the end. Then... More than only being concerned about himself, Judas had another problem, and that was he thought he was better than other folk. Say amen, lights. Survey the geographic backgrounds of of Jesus' disciples, and, and you'll find that while the other disciples were from Galilee, Judas was from Judea. And as a Judean, Judas was never, ever really comfortable with the others. Judeans thought that they were more Jewish than their Galilean brothers. In other words, by virtue of his birthplace, Judas felt like he was better than the rest. Church, rebellion often reveals itself in arrogance. There are too many church folk who genuinely believe that they are better than other folks. Some folk feel like they're better by their birthright. But can I tell you, God is not a respecter of persons. Paul reminds us there's no difference between Jew and Jew. And non-Jew the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved some think they're better because they think that they've worked harder than other folk in order to get what they've got but Jesus said From everyone who has been given much, much more will be demanded. Think about that. That means that if you do have more, then more is expected of you. Having more education doesn't make you better. But it does charge you with the responsibility of teaching those who don't know how to move on up a little bit higher. Having more money doesn't make you better, but it does challenge you with the responsibility of being a good steward so that you can help those who are suffering. Having more authority does not make you better, but it does charge you to use your authority to heal rather than to destroy, to build up rather than to tear down. Judas thought he was better than other folk and as a result satan had him in his grip and then judas rebelled because he placed higher priority on the things of this world than on the things of god matthew tells us that after the incident at Lazarus' house, Judas went out and made an arrangement to betray Jesus to the Jewish high council for 30 pieces of silver. That's the equivalent of about four months wages. Now that's a lot of money. And When I think about what some of us will do for a little money, when I think about how some of us will lie for a little money. When I think about how some of us will cheat for a little money, four months' wages is a whole lot of money. We don't know what Judas hoped to accomplish with with this betrayal. Some suggest that he had to do it, that, that he was born to betray Jesus. But that goes against our free moral. Agency. Some suggest that Judas did it in some perverted attempt to help Jesus achieve self actualization, but that goes against Judas's nature because Judas wasn't concerned about anybody other than himself. We may never know exactly why Judas did what he did, but we do know that he didn't do it for nothing. He put a high price. On his services. And that says to me. That Judas valued the things of men. More than the things. Of God. Shiloh. Some of us. Are all about stuff. And there's nothing wrong with having stuff. But if stuff is what you want. Let me suggest some stuff. That you ought to get. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all your getting, get understanding. There's a difference between form and substance. The world has form, but only Jesus has substance. And if you've ever been touched by the master, you ought to want the substance that can only come from jesus there was rebellion in the upper room judas was in the devil's grasp and as a result judas rebelled but as i close today please don't be so quick to read the second verse of chapter 13 that you skip over the first verse jesus knew that the time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. I want you to read that. I want you to hear that. That's an important point for us to remember today what do we do when we are confronted by rebellious spirits love them anyway i see a lot of stuff that y'all post on your social media sites about cutting people off and cutting people out of your life, if they betrayed you, if they hurt you, if they disappointed you, if they lied on you, if they cheated on you, your response is to cut them off. And then you lie and misuse scripture to suggest that Jesus sanctions that response. Well, he doesn't. And so I urge you, in this Lenten season, while we spend some time in the upper room, that we seek to follow Jesus' example and keep on loving folk. Rebellion is a reality that all of us have to deal with. Selfishness is a reality that all of us have to deal with. But if you want to be like Jesus, then you have to make up your mind that you're going to love them anyway love your enemies bless those who curse you do good to them that hate you you pray for them that use you and persecute you turn the other cheek go the second mile make their needs your priority. Learn how to love folk anyway, Whether they treat you right or not. Well. If they smile in your face and stab you in the back, love them anyway. When they try to take food off your table, love them anyway. When they try to destroy your name, love them anyway. If you want to be like Jesus, I don't know if you want to be like Jesus or not. But I'm tired of hearing folks lie on Jesus and talk about it's of the Lord. Jesus said, love them anyhow. Bless them anyhow. Serve them anyhow. Do good to them anyhow. And then watch take care of you. Stop looking for God to strike down your enemy. You ain't David. You're Jesus' disciples. You let God worry about them. And you keep your hand in God's hand. And I declare, if you act more like Jesus, and if you talk more like Jesus, and if you pray more, like Jesus, and if you have an attitude more like Jesus, Jesus is gonna bless you. And let me tell you the best blessing in the world. The best blessing in the world is when you can look at folk who tried to kill you and smile. And say, I love you anyway. Choirs going to sing a hymn. Deacons are coming across. Ain't, ain't, ain't no shouting on that. I know you ain't going to shout. That's all right. You needed to hear it anyway. Deacons are coming across. Ministers are coming down. The doors of God's church are open. There was rebellion in the upper room.